listening to New Layer, a design podcast with Tanner Christensen and Jasmine Friedel. On this episode, we're going to talk about something that can be really difficult for people, Mm -hmm. whether they're brand new to the industry and the design world or they're experienced. And that Mm -hmm. is getting rejected from a job. Oh man, rejection sucks. It always sucks, no matter what. Yeah. In particular, it really stinks when you're rejected from a job, especially if it's like a job that you feel as though you worked really hard to pursue. Maybe it's your dream job. And then you like maybe get into the interview process. Maybe you don't. Either way, like if you get cut off, it's going to suck. Right. So you're in this scenario where you want something and you don't get it. Yeah. So I'd love (laughs) to start this one off by talking a little bit about... um, one of my my personal experiences. Okay. So I've, I've told the story before. I'll just kind of quickly recap for anyone who has heard it before. Uh, when I was when when I first moved out to Silicon Valley, I was really interested in coming out here because you know there's sunshine. It's the big tech hub. There's all mm-hmm. these large companies that are doing really great work. This is where I wanted to be as a designer. Right. So I applied to many companies, mm-hmm. and the vast majority, like I just never heard back from. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a strong design portfolio in terms of like product design mm-hmm. because I was spending most of my time on uh, graphic design, web design, and like marketing things mm-hmm. like that. There was one company that I was I was really excited about. They flew me out. It was the first time I'd ever been flown out for an interview, so that was really exciting. Right, and coming from Utah, that's like fancy. Yeah, I was coming from Utah, so it was like a whole different place. That they put me up in a nice little hotel. It was mm-hmm. my first time ever in San Francisco, and I, I was so nervous. Oh my gosh! Did so you feel excited. like you had arrived, like not just arrived in San Francisco, but like made it because you had like landed this interview? Kind of, yeah. I was, you know, it, it was. You do feel a little special when any company flies you out. I would yeah. imagine, but so. Uh, you know, I flew out here. I went to sleep the very next day. It was like, okay, here we go. Full-time on-site interview at a big tech company here in Silicon Valley. I showed up and right away I was immediately blown away. Like if you had never interviewed in Silicon Valley before, it's, it's like nothing else out there in my mind. In what way? In that, like the interviews I was used to doing in my career were you show up at an office park, Mm -hmm. a bunch of gray buildings. Mm Mm-hmm. You walk to uh, you walk into the office and you actually get to find parking because, you know, you're not in, yeah. in the city. Exactly. You, you kind of drive yourself. Uh, and in like suddenly like you're in this cubicle world usually. And uh, sometimes there's like nice posters on the wall and things. And I don't know, you just go through this this like usual interview loop. But when I f- came out here for this role in particular, I walked into this like massive office building with huge like sculptures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to say too much details to give away the company, but it was very like ornate. There was a lot of artistic things, a lot of inspiration. There were tons of people with a typical, uh, sorry, stereotypical, uh, you know, glasses and hoodies and things. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this is, this is wild. They had like this free water, it. free tea. And I was like, well, I had to pay for this. And my other, interviews. get a free LaCroix. So, uh, you know, I, I was new to this experience. And I was excited, very, very nervous. I didn't really know quite what to expect. So uh, basically, the, the for those who have never done an interview loop like this before, when I say loop, what that means is usually what? Well, I mean, it's usually a, a second or third stage or fourth stage in the interview process where you actually go on site. And so it's. I think we call it a loop. I'm totally making things up here, but I think we call it a loop because you kind of do like um, a presentation with everybody and then you sort of have one-on-one conversations to follow up. And so you kind of go around the circle of everybody you need to talk to. I'm, yeah. I'm making this up as I go. No, that, that's, that's right. So, yeah. uh, so again, the process, this is like usually the third or fourth step in an interview process at a company like this. I had already done a phone screen with like a manager 
then I had done two phone interviews mm-hmm. with two separate people. And then finally they were like, come on site. And so you, you show up at the office and you have usually typically you have this big portfolio presentation in front of the whole group of people who you'll be talking to that day. Mm-hmm. And usually it is a, almost a full day of, of talking. Uh, and then once you have that full portfolio review, you break up into single individual sessions with each of these people, one or two people usually to talk about various things like culture fit. Like, do you, do your values align and with the company fit values? Is such a bad word. Yeah. But we I won't completely even go agree. into that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I agree. Culture fit's not a good term, but that's usually what this part of the process is called. Right. Uh, you'll do something like a problem solving, uh, exercise, which we've talked about on a previous episode of this podcast. Deep dives with people into the work that you've done. Uh, conversation with manager to like get familiar with your background, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so really it is like, it can be between like four to five, maybe six hours of your day, just talking to these people mm-hmm. uh, and kind of getting to know them while they get to know you. So I, I showed up for this thing and I was really excited and we did the portfolio presentation, which was the first time I feel like I'd ever done that in my life. I don't know why. I'm pretty sure I've shown my portfolio to people in interviews, but and uh, already it kind of got a weird sense that something was off because as I was showing my work, I felt really good about it. I felt like we had a good energy, but people in the room just did not seem interested. Mm-hmm. They just were kind of like checking. So their you had good energy. And, uh, sure. <laughs> they were like, okay. And I don't know if it was just like early morning or what. I don't know. Anyway, so we did that part and then they're like, okay, that was great. Thank you for showing your work. Really impressive stuff. Now it's time to break off into these sessions. Mm-hmm. So we go into this room, just me and two other designers and they're like, all right, here is what we're going to do next. It's called a design challenge. Mm-hmm. And your job is to solve this problem. Right. Go. And you? I had no idea what to do. Okay. So I started asking questions. Well, what is the objective here? What do you want to see from me? Are we collaborators or are you a client? Mm-hmm. Uh, should I draw on the whiteboard or should we just talk it out? What do you want to see? Do you want to me to actually solve the problem? All that stuff we've talked about before uh, when it comes to design exercises. And... You know, it just didn't, it didn't feel right. They didn't, they weren't answering my questions. Uh, I feel like I was really stumped on what they even wanted from me, mm-hmm. let alone the problem. So we kind of just talked a little bit longer. Uh, they started playing on their phones and it, it was really not very fun. So that ended finally after what felt like an eternity. Mm-hmm. And the HR person, the recruiter that I'd been talking to throughout this process came uh, to the door when, and greeted me and said, Hey, let's grab some lunch. And I was like, Oh, okay, great. Yeah. That's part of the That's on the schedule. And as we're standing in line to get lunch, because they have cafeterias and companies like this, she says, you know, your portfolio was really great. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming in. But I've talked with the two people you just came out of the room with. So they must have been texting or something while I was talking uh-huh. to them. <laughs> when they were on their phones, they're like, this guy sucks. Exactly. And so oh, uh, she's like, okay. you know what? We know you. F- we flew you out here. We're really excited about this, but it's not going to work. And, and I w- you had a full scheduled day of follow up interviews after this exactly so they cut it very very short yeah and i was devastated i i just felt everything fall around me uh i felt like i'm an imposter i clearly i don't belong here i don't know what i'm doing i will never get a job like this clearly i just wasn't cut out for it. your silicon valley dreams just crumbled so uh you know i sat down with that recruiter we had we finished our lunch she kind of talked a little bit about what i wanted to do with my life and what i would do now and that i couldn't get a job at what was my dream Mm -hmm. company and one thing she said that really stuck out to me was, you know, just come back in a year, just mm-hmm. go study what you need to study and then try again in a year. Right. And of course I didn't hear anything that she said. I was just like, I'm, right. I'm a failure. Right. It's hard to take feedback when you're sort of like stunned, stunned 
stunted, stumped, stumped. All of the above are actually yes. accurate. Yes. Here. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, I left the office that day and I just wandered around San Francisco. Again, it was my first time. Crying. So I got to see the city. I did. I did yeah. cry a little bit, to be honest. Yeah, you should. That's I mean, that really sucks. I, uh, I think I was so bummed out about it that I, I had my Kindle with me and I immediately bought uh, a book by the Dalai Lama called happiness. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to figure out how I can recover from this disaster. <laughs> I was so sad and I was so embarrassed too because here at this company, people in my interview loop were like design legends that I had heard about elsewhere right. and like really admired and they had like watched me walk into this interview like all proud and then immediately walk back out with my head low. So it was not good. And then you have to go back and tell friends and family too who knew you were going that, hey, this didn't work out and then you get to choose whether you tell them the full story or just that, oh, I didn't get the job because <laughs> this is like the form of rejection that you're describing here. This is rare. Like. I don't think this happens to a lot of people uh, when we think about rejection from jobs when you're like looking for something that you want. Th there's so many like different versions. This seems like an extreme. I yeah. hope. Yeah. And, I, and so I, I hope actually we can get into the nuances of uh, that example and a few other situations as we talk about this, because something upon reflection of that, that interview process, uh, I learned a lot about yes, myself and how I present myself and things like that. Mm -hmm. I think more importantly, I learned a lot about just like the interview process itself and how to set up not only the company, but people coming to your company to interview for success. Right. I think it's interesting to have an understanding of what the process is. Cause I, I think like, you know, we talk with folks about rejection all the time and a lot of things that I hear is like, you know, kind of, you know, hey, either curiosity or complaints about why didn't I hear back? That's one form of rejection. Another one is, you know, someone who had a phone call and thinks that that's the job. Like, oh, I had the phone call with two designers or a, a video call with two designers and I didn't get the job. And yet, like understanding the process, even in those early stages, it's like there's so much of a process to go through when you're getting your first design job that usually like you kind of have to have an, an understanding of where you're at in the process rather than just assuming that that step, you know, that next step is or that first step or that second step is sort of what it takes. So to be clear, what we're talking about when, we're, when we say the process, mm -hmm. we're talking about the, I would say, average or typical uh, process for interviewing for digital product designers here, specifically in Silicon Valley. Right. And, and I think, I mean, there can, there's obviously variants on that process. So like what we're mm -hmm. talking about and what we're most familiar with is there's some sort of like in companies that are, you know, a couple hundred uh, people are bigger. You're usually working with a recruiter. That recruiter tends to find people or take in inbound applications. Like when people have applied of their own will into your company and then find people who haven't and, and see if they are interested in applying and taking that pool of applicants and then they go through them, they'll screen them by looking at the application, which is one form of rejection. If you like, just don't even get into the process and get a rejection email, they'll then usually jump on the phone to screen, um, the first round of folks, which is, you know, really geared towards understanding, Hey, is the stuff on the resume and in the portfolio? Does that, you know, meet up with what we're looking for? Um, 
and that can be a, a point of rejection. Then there's typically a phone call or video call or a couple of those that are over the phone, which are, you know, geared at different learning, different things about you. And that can also be a rejection point. And then there's usually the final thing, which is going to the company, seeing the company and getting that sort of like two way experience where you're doing like a full on more um, intense sort of interview. And we call that usually a loop or an onsite. And then there can sometimes be multiple ones of those too. Um, when I worked at an agency and was doing, um, UX design at an agency, I actually went through a couple different rounds of process too. I had to go into the office a few times. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a flexible process in terms of how that works, but usually, you know, there's a couple of those elements that are considered the interview process. Right. So let's, let's look at that process. Um, through our, our years of experience, both as mm-hmm. someone who's interviewed quite a lot, and that's me, and someone who has uh, done the interviewing quite a lot, which and, is you. And for you, someone who's actually gotten some jobs after that rejection. Yeah, quite a few, actually. Yeah, it seems pretty important. Yeah, I mean, just to, while we're on that note, to, so everybody's aware, uh, less than a month after that interview, I interviewed a, a larger tech company here known as Facebook and got some the job. Some of you might have heard of it. <laughs> yeah, so I did learn a lot. I did reflect a lot. And actually, everything that we're about to talk, to, talk about is... A lot of that I, I ended up reflecting on personally mm-hmm. as a result of that first rejection. Okay, so let's let's rewind. The first step of the process, you're a designer or you're, you're a student and you send out your portfolio and your resume to all of these companies. And I, I think a common thing that happens is you don't hear back. Nothing. You don't hear back or you get an email that's probably some sort of like standard rejection response. Yeah, it's uh, thank you for your time. We're looking for something else. Right. And again, like if if, I'm trying to think of like the span of different roles and the, and the one I have, you know, less familiarity with is sort of like the, the small startup where someone who's not in a design process or there's not a recruiter hiring you that, that might be something where you get a response. It might be something where you just never hear back. Both are maybe equally as frustrating in quite different ways. Yeah. Like the problem, I think many designers find themselves up against in this situation is there's not really any indication of why they may have not been considered. Right. And that's, that's super tough because, um, the reasons why you actually don't get feedback tend to be legal reasons. Um, you know, we want to make sure that no one is discriminated against for, you know, through their application and most, you know, I would say, I'll put it this way. The companies that I've worked for have had a really rigorous screening process so that that's avoided, but there's also, you know, time spent to give everyone feedback and how do you pick and choose? I know when I like, I'll have people ping me on, um, you know, Facebook messenger or Twitter or something like that and say, Hey, I applied and you know, I want to see how my, um, you know, how my application fared or whatever in the mix. And I'll, I'll sometimes like just pop in and give them a little bit of feedback just to say, Hey, you know, we're looking for somebody who has a little bit more experience than what you have, you know, keep going, get back in touch in a year or two. Um, and that way they just kind of have a sense. You tend not to give a lot of detailed feedback just at the application round, just because, you know, there's, there can be anywhere from like tens to like hundreds of people applying for a role. And when you look at typically the, the jobs that a hiring manager or that a recruiter is looking over, it can, it's often more than one and quick personal examples. I've, I've had, um, this year already, I've had anywhere from 
two to I think three or four, no, I had two to four roles open at a time. And so to manage that amount of roles, you just can't look at the, you know, say every role has a hundred applicants, you can't respond to 400 people. And so that's when those standard responses come in as, you know, a helpful tool to at least, you know, say to somebody, Hey, keep looking. Um, but it doesn't give that, that sense of why. And that's when you really have to think, you know, sort of be self-aware and self-evaluate and say, why might this not have worked? Yeah, I feel like there's actually so much there that you you just said that we could unpack further uh, if we had the time. Things like uh, some responses, you, you sometimes you don't get a response simply because they don't want to open themselves up to legal issues, mm-hmm. right? They, they just can't say it's anything. It's just a practice. Right. It's like a, pre- it's a preventative practice. Right. And then there are other things like, you know, it would be great if we could all get responses saying like, you know, no, thank you. Because being left in the dark is like no good. You, sure. you could spend weeks just wondering if they're still reviewing it or not. Right. But to your point, you know, these companies don't have time and energy to send all out those messages and then consistently follow up with, well, why not? And like, what can I do to improve? Right. 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 And I think there's something in there, especially when you're new um, and just kind of starting out is like, and please no one take offense to this, but the self-awareness tends to be really low. It's like, you know, you get out of school or you've sort of self-taught and done a couple side projects and you're like, I think I'm pretty good at this but you haven't yet had the opportunity to benchmark yourself in a working environment. And, you know, somebody who's reviewing portfolio is usually pretty good at figuring out where you're at because they've done this before. And so their experience is something that would kind of um, give them the ability to decision make um, and evaluate the skills that they're looking for, which might not be the skills that you have. And so most of those those feedback conversations end up being not just like a reason why, but they need to be a discussion so that someone can get in there and say, you know, hey, your let's just say your visual design isn't up to par. And then the follow up question would be like, well, why? And so then you have to get in a conversation of, well, you know, we actually need, you know, this bar, here's our bar. And then here's where we think you fall short. And then the, the next question ends up being, well, what can I do? And usually it's like associated with some sort of frustration because that, you know, there's been a lot of rejection or something. And so you know, then you're sort of like asking the person who, you know, gave you a rejection to be your mentor and things like that. And it's just like, it's super complicated. And again, going back to the time, like uh, there just isn't time to do that. And so that's where self-awareness actually comes in and can be really great if, you know, folks are applying for things that they're qualified for or are slightly out of their reach as opposed to like completely out of their reach. And another thing that you can do if that's your situation where you're sending out your resume and your portfolio and you're not getting much feedback, go find people who are hopefully not part of that same company. Like that's a whole different can of worms. Let's not open that, but online communities, groups, forums, where you can share, you know, your emails, you send out your portfolio and get feedback from the community on what you might improve. Right. And get feedback from people who are more advanced than you in your, in the same sort of like career you want to get into. Yeah. Don't, don't join these like, uh, student forums where it's just students yeah. critiquing students like go right. out to where the community in, uh, entails people who are you know what you aspire to be yeah someone actually recently asked me um, can you share with me the kind of work that your your team at intercom is doing and you know t- talk to me about it so I can understand what bar they're at and it was a really great intent it was sort of like hey you know, I want to see inside so I can understand where I need to learn. And my response is like, I actually, I'm not going to like share with you internal materials and I'm not going to share with you, you know, any other process because it's really like, 
that's not where I have to invest my time right now. But I, what I said is, you know, what you can do is you can look at the product. You can look at the product that's out there. You can also go and look at any employees. You know, you can find employees of almost any company on Twitter. You can go and look at their personal websites and then you'll get an inside peek into some of their process and some of what they value. And so that stuff is all accessible to you. You just have to be sort of crafty in how you go about figuring out what that bar is. So that might be one way. And then feedback from a group of like slightly more advanced peers might be another way to sort of like level yourself out. Yeah, totally. Okay. So, uh, you know, that, that's a really hard challenge trying to figure out why you're not getting responses, but let's say you do get a response Mm -hmm. and the, the, usually it's a hiring manager or a recruiter. In some instances, it might just be like a design leader. It might even be the CEO, depending mm-hmm. on the company size. Sure. They will say like, let's hop on a call. Right. Right. So this is the screener call, right? It's a screener call. Yeah. Yeah. And usually what this entails in my experience uh, is anywhere between a half an hour to an hour long conversation, just generally having a conversation, like a general chat about you, your work, what you're looking for and what the company's looking for. Yeah. And that those conversations are tricky because Sometimes it's just a casual chat and sometimes there's a structure to it. And if you go in for one and actually like act for the other, like say it's supposed to be a structured chat where the first call, they just want to like see your work and you're not prepared to do that. That can really suck. Um, and that can lead to another form of, of rejection. So just, you know, little tip is like, always make sure you have the expectations clear so that you know what kind of a call going, you're going to go into because, these, um, these calls can range anywhere from a casual chat to a portfolio review to like a critique of something or some sort of like on the phone or on the, the video call exercise. And they sort of range in different parts of the process. They could be two different people who are looking for different things. So any, anytime you can say, Hey, like what's the desired outcome of this call and what are, what should I, how should I prepare? That stuff is always helpful. Absolutely. I, I want to just underline that. I think this is so important and many designers tend to miss this. If you get an email from someone saying like, let's hop on a call. We think you might be a good fit, whatever. You should always, always, always respond with, you know, the best times, your phone number, but also like, what are we going to be talking about? Yep. Absolutely. So let's say you get on these screener calls and, um, the next thing you know is you're getting an email saying we've decided to go in another direction or something, right? Rejection. Another, another rejection. Yeah. Usually what this means to me is that, well, it can mean a lot of things, obviously. Maybe your portfolio misrepresented you, or maybe you, you need to improve your like speaking uh, ability about maybe your work. Maybe you were rude. Absolutely. Maybe you, you kind of came across as more arrogant than you really are, or maybe, maybe you are. Maybe you didn't have the experience. Like you, you, again, this is a scenario where unless you get feedback, you'll never know. And so how do you evaluate yourself against you know, what the expectations were if you don't know the expectations. And really something that I, I think is true, which is why I'm saying it. You think it's true, right? Is that at any point past the screener call and maybe even part of the screener call. I love that you called a screener call. Like you're kind of making up your own term here. It's like a screener is call. That, is that not what it is? I don't know. I'd call it a phone screen, but or video sure. screen. Right. Well, I don't know. You know, like doors have screens on Screener. Them you, you open the screen door before you go to the door. Anyway, we're okay. just joking now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I <laughs> lost track of what I was saying. No. Screener calls. Different kinds of screener calls. So I think like something you can take away from um, from like uh, the screener call or like the initial, any kind of call before you get an onsite. So this is between like an initial email and an, an onsite. Anything that happens between those two things, you should work under the assumption that it's not necessarily, how do I explain this? 
what the company is probably looking for is someone that's going to be a really good fit for their specific role. Mm -hmm. Not always. Sometimes the role is very ambiguous, right? Mm -hmm. But they still have like an idea of skill set that they need to fill. And that's why they're talking to you. Right. And on your side, you should be looking for, and I think we should talk about this in a second. You should be looking for a company that's going to help you the most. That's that is going to help you grow and improve. And that also you really have something actually that you can offer. Yeah. I think one sort of caveat I would say is like, you know, generally, whoever's um, doing the interview and the group of people who are involved in hiring or a single person who's involved in hiring will come to the table with something that they're looking for. There are actually times when that's not the case and they're expecting you to tell you what they need. That happens a lot. And so that's still an expectation thing where you need to uncover it. And so whatever the expectations are, if you ask for that in advance, you can kind of go in and say, oh, you know, Hey, as the first designer on your team, here's what I would do. Here's my process. Here's, here's what I, what, what I would apply. Yeah. So uh, we're kind of like bridging two similar parts of the interview process that you may get rejected from. Again, that first one is that like a very first screen with a recruiter or a hiring manager or someone on the team. And it's like I said, it's usually casual, but I mean that in the sense of that, like it's meant to be kind of lightweight and yeah, I, w- I would sort of bucket all different kinds of screens as that, because I can't tell you how many times, you know, you, you hear, Oh, you know, let's just have a chat or hop on a call. And it's this all casual language because it's meant to be like not intimidating, but I think, you know, generally the content is still equally the content or the evaluation that is being done in each one is still equally important to get a whole picture of who you are or to work through a progression of things that um, folks are trying to sort of like filter out. And so I would think of approaching them the same way despite what the content is or what is being looked for. Yeah. And I think what I'm trying to say is like, for me personally, what I found really helpful, and this again is me reflecting on some negative experiences I've had where I've been rejected from uh, the interview process, just going into it with like a very open mind with a very like, the way I think about this is anytime I'm on a screen or just talking to someone from another company, I want to be myself. Mm -hmm. I want to try to almost imagine that I'm sitting down with someone who maybe they're not a good friend, but they're, there's someone I know, maybe I admire them and like them. And I want to just talk to them about my work. Right. Which means I'm not putting on a show. Right. There's not like a template. I need to check all the boxes on. Right. I need to know what they want out of the conversation so I can answer those questions and give them insights. But the reality is like, I'm not going to sit down and be like, okay, it's showtime. Let me, let me tell you my, my crystal perfect process. Right. And like I used to, like I'd give feedback and I'd be like, well, they went into presentation mode. And what that meant is it's like they just hit play and then they just, you know, rehearse their pre-recorded presentation. And sometimes that works for people to sort of like really practice, 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 practice. But if you go in a incorrect or a maybe not incorrect, but in an, an area that doesn't actually answer the questions that the interviewer is trying to get at, it's really hard to stop that sort of presentation mode. It's like a train. It just keeps going, 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 going. And so it's actually harder to interrupt and it's harder to ask questions. You're not asking questions when you're in that presentation mode. So I like what you're talking about, like thinking of it as a conversation. And you already mentioned this, but it's like, you know, interviewing is such a two way street you know, someone on the other side of the line is trying to learn about you. They're trying to learn about your work, your soft skills, like collaboration and communication. And you're also trying to learn about 
them and the company and what the role might be. And if there's, you know, maybe a match for what you have to offer versus what they need. And so when you set it up as a conversation, even if you're doing a prepared presentation, then it, it not only like ends up being a better experience, but it also like just feels more human and tends to be more, um, tends to make you a little bit more approachable when there does come an instant when, when something's not clear or the interviewer has to ask you about a, a you know, dig, dig deeper into something or ask a different question. Absolutely. And I, we're going to return to this point here oh, in a are minute. We? Okay. we are because I think this is actually um, probably my personal biggest takeaway of interview processes and getting rejected. But uh, let's, let's come back to that in one minute because the next part of the process, let's say you've done really well on these calls and now the company's like, come on in, it's time for the loop. Right the loop so we talked about this earlier what that entails if they don't call it the loop it's okay <laughs> it's an on-site it's it's, it's come interview portfolio yeah. review whatever they want to call it uh and we already talked about what this entails um but now let's talk about the process of getting rejected at that stage so you've done a few phone calls you've talked to people on the team probably you might have had some even like informal conversations with team members that can often happen over coffee or lunch or something uh and you might be feeling pretty good about yourself. Like maybe even you've got it made at this point. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't feel that way. Maybe you're really anxious like I was and you're kind of doubting yourself. That's okay. Like it's okay to have whatever feelings you have. I think the key thing here is when you show up, you again, you have to keep in mind, like it's a very human conversation. It's, mm-hmm. it's a group of people and yourself who are just trying to figure out, will this be a good relationship? Right. So at this point, if you are kicked out of the process, mid process, uh, I think something that's worth noting here is that's not really a reflection of you is what I think. So it might, but more often than not, what that indicates to me is that the process itself has kind of failed. I don't know that I agree with that. Um, Tell us why. So I've, I've a couple of times, um, sort of interrupted the interview process on site and moved some, you know, walk somebody out. Um, I've stopped screens and done the same thing. Um, I think the times I can remember, I'm thinking of two specific times. They're both with junior folks. And I I sort of looked at the time I had left with them, you know, went through the presentation, looked at the time I had left with them and knew there was absolutely no chance that they'd be able to get through this process. And so decided to reserve that time to give feedback and had some really constructive, productive conversations and have stayed connected with those folks. Um, Because to me, it was more important that they get the feedback and that they understand how to improve for their next version, or even if they should come back to the company that I was interviewing them for. And it it was a really strange thing to go through because I know that that sort of hurts to do that. And I've been very conscious of that, but also I just, I, some, (laughs) I just want to tell people if I have them there, it just seemed like an opportunity. I couldn't, I couldn't miss. So I would say there are some times and well, okay. To the point of like the process failed you. Maybe it did. Maybe we didn't screen well enough to get to that point. Yeah. And that, that's my point is like, yeah. It, and maybe I'm being too idealistic. Ideally, like this whole process would help kind of get those people out of the process sooner than later. Right. Right. Of course, in your examples, like it's not always the case. It's not always the case. I think what I want to pre- I want to avoid is people saying like, oh, it, the process failed. It wasn't me. So I think, right. I think there's, you know, if you get rejected from a process, it's because you didn't meet the requirements period, like full stop. Like if you were the best person for the role and you were extremely qualified, you would have gotten an offer. So I I disagree. Okay. And so I think overall, 
probably 99% of the time you are completely right. Like if you don't get an offer, there's clearly some, some mismatch there probably with your skills or your ability or just something else. Right. However, there are instances and I've encountered these myself where, you know, you go into an interview loop or you're part of this interview process and someone on that process is maybe new. Maybe they're new to the industry. They're new to the interview process. Maybe they're just having a bad day. These things do happen. I think they're super unfortunate and I think we should try to, we should not focus too much of our conversation on that, but they yeah. just happen where someone is having some issue with you during the process or they're not trained properly on how to talk to you and evaluate your skill set. Right. And that could be a failure of the sure. process. And I like I care so much about this and I spend so much of my time developing good processes and training people to interview well that that doesn't like I assure, I assure you that does not happen on my teams. But yes, I know it can happen. I think what I again I, I wanna the reason we're not going to talk about this a lot is because that's not an excuse, especially when we're looking at an onsite when there's multiple people. If you have, you know, one person who's having a bad day or one person who is advocating against you, um, then if, if it was one person, the rest of the panel would likely be able to even that out. I think in those cases, there was probably question about you. And even during that bad day, you weren't able to break through that. And so, you are right. There are some things that can go wrong and it's not always ideal, but there's probably something in there that you can still learn from. Totally. Well said. Well said. Okay. So I, I think this actually brings us perfectly to the point that I, that I really want us to focus on here, which is if you reject at this point, it, the, the, the primary thing that I take away personally, and I'd, I'd really actually love to hear your perspective on this is the indication at this stage in the process is you're just not a good fit. I can't see in fit is not, I don't like the word fit sure. because fit assumes that there's a mold and then you should fit into that. And I think a lot, a lot of, you know, we're trying to change the, this idea of cultural fit, which is sort of like this way that like, you know, white bros could hire white bros. Um, and then we sort of perpetuate more of, of the sameness. So when we talk about like, we're, we're trying to change that to like cultural ad, do you add something? And so I think, I think there's some sort of fit in terms of like, Maybe it's not even fit. It's like meeting the requirements. Yeah, I like that. And requirements could be um, design skills. It could be soft skills. It could be, you know, the kinds of tools you worked on before. Um, but then there's also this like, hey, and I mean, hopefully this is how people are thinking about it. Like, what else do you bring to the table? How do you, how do you think about like the shape of the design team or the shape of the cross-functional team? And and does that also does that seem like an ad and a contribution as opposed to like you would actually detract from those things that have in place? I think those are the general things that are being looked at. Yeah. So I, I think like, again, to your point, kind of historically how we've thought about this is in terms of fit, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes. No one can see that because this is a podcast, but <laughs> I uh, can see that we're, we're thinking about like fit. And I think you put it really well. So it's more of like, are you adding, are you, are you kind right. of meeting the requirements and are you doing a little bit? Right. And I think there? when you look at those two things, there's one thing that you are completely in control of and that's like the skills, like what the requirements of the role. And so those are things that you have to go back and say, Hey, did I not communicate well? And that happens all the time in interviews where, you know, you get nervous and you fly through things and you forget to mention like really important parts of your process. Um, did you, do you simply not have like a skill? Like is your interaction design not at that bar or you just haven't like yet, had a chance to, you know, do any of the product thinking or strategy. And so that's a missing component of what you bring. And those are things that you have to go back and say, Hey, what were they looking for? A, do I know that if I do know that, you know, B, if I do know that, then did I, did I come to the table with those things? Or was, was I just hoping that they'd like 
see my other skills and, and balance that out. Those are all things within your control. And those are the things you have to kind of go back and look at, especially if you've gotten a lot of rejections, which we haven't talked about yet. The other piece, the sort of like, we'll call it like fit slash ad. Those are some of the things that are outside of your control. And those might be unknowns to you. And that's something that's really, really hard to take in because it's like this black box of, you know, here I I might be hiring for a team that I have, you know, a, a lot of X, Y, and Z, but I don't have A and B. And so I might be looking for A and B from you or know that like something else like C might be a detractor for my team and that won't work on my team. Um, or I need someone who's had experience doing something and you haven't had that. And so, you know, hopefully you can get that, get that, um, out in the open. But if you don't like those might actually just be things that you walk away with and you'll never know. And that's frustrating. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is another part of interviewing that sometimes offers offers itself like no resolution. Sometimes you'll just get the the blanket statement like we've decided to look elsewhere, right? And right. I've I've absolutely had those exact same rejections. Right. And those rejections are usually um if you get to a place where you're actually on site and just just to be clear, I know we've talked about like going into the office. You can you'll sometimes be invited to the office before this, so just like know that sometimes if you're local, they'll just have your screen on site. So when we say like on site, know that we're talking about that, like final, final version, those conversations, you know, if it's a rejection or if they're going to think about starting an offer process with you, those usually happen in, not in person, but like over the phone. And so it's not, it's, it's not a standard to have like an email rejection. It might be a, a personal email from a recruiter or a hiring manager that just says, Hey, listen, like, you know, we decided that this isn't going to work out this time, but it still ends up, it's not a, it's usually not a form. And so there's a little bit of more of a dialogue that happens there. But still, even in that case, like you're, you're not always guaranteed to get some context into why you were rejected. Right? You often get very little. Right. Yeah. So that's just something that first and foremost, you need to understand, right? If you do get rejected, it's, it sucks. You have to kind of do in your own work to figure out what happened. Right. So this all is kind of a, a long way of saying two things, I think. The first thing is when you get rejected, especially at the, the, the kind of like final stages, what that really indicates is not necessarily that you are someone who is no good. It doesn't really, it doesn't necessarily communicate that you are a failure mm-hmm. or basically everything that I started out my, this whole episode with about how I felt so poorly about myself. It's not always true, right? Right. So, I mean, there's some, there's some caveats to that statement, but Overall, you should not take that rejection as like, I cannot do anything, right? Right. And you may feel that way for a moment, but you sort of have to like pick yourself up and keep going. Now, that's also not an excuse to say it it was just this sort of fit ad thing. The first thing to do is really go back and say, what can I do to make sure that I'm qualified? Was I qualified? You know, where did I, where did I fall short? Where do I feel like I exceeded? And then that can help you refine where you where you look next. Yeah, exactly. That is the the exact second thing that I was going to say from this, which is like, well. <laughs> look at us on the same page, mm-hmm. uh, which is the entire interview process, at least as how we've outlined it and how I've experienced it numerous times. It is designed, it is designed to help you and the company get on the same page before you have that final conversation of will this work? Right. Every single part of that, that process, whether it's the the very first phone call you have with someone, even an email conversation, repeated phone calls with members of the team, uh, on-site coffee or whatever, and then like this interview loop. The entire process is meant to say, look, we have questions if you can help us answer them. Mm-hmm. It should also mean that you should also have questions. 
And I think this is important because what will often happen is, especially with new designers, they will get fixated on a company or a role and say, this like is my dream. Did. Exactly. Yeah. They'll say, this is my dream and I need this role. And if I don't get this role, then I am a huge then my, failure. My world falls apart. But it's not true. Like right. the reality is maybe it's just not the right role for you just yet. Right. Maybe you don't have the right skills. Maybe the company's not at a place where actually you'd be that ad, you know, that we mentioned before. Yeah. And like, you have to reflect on that. Right. And I think when you're thinking of, of being a, you know, looking for your first role, um, and, you know, even in internships have a process, they might not be the same process. But when you're looking at this first role, I think that the general guidance is to like, go for a lot of things, because you might end up putting out like 40 different applications and get rejected from 39 of them, you might get rejected from all 40. And that sucks. And it's like, you know, you and I hear all the time about folks who are newer folks, um, or more junior folks who are really trying to get that first role. And it's so frustrating because you don't always get to that onsite. You don't always get to that screen. Sometimes you just have the application. And while the more, more applications you generate, the more opportunity for failure you have, like that's actually just part of how this works because, there are pools of candidates and there are many folks like you who are going out there and who are trying to get those roles. And so being willing to just like sort of put yourself out there, it's so much like dating when you think about it, like it really, it is. really is. But when you're sort of just generating and getting familiar with that, then, you know, how are you looking for that right match that right, you know, where your skills align with the needs of the company and what you're adding, brings something different to the table. Like when it happens, it's really magical. And hopefully, you know, when you find that company that actually is a really great, you know, compliment to what you have to offer, then you stay there for a while and you get to learn and grow with them. But until then, these are also learning moments. And I think that's a really important takeaway is even if you have an application and just get like a form email that says, you know, hey, we're not looking for what you have right now, or you get through the screen or you get through the onsite that's not the only thing out there. You have to take that and reflect on it and figure out what you can learn from that in order to move on. And that's exactly what you did Ended up ended up getting your first role. And then I think you've probably gotten every role you've interviewed for, um, since then are almost pretty close. Yeah, That's not true. I've, I've definitely gotten rejected a few times, a few um, times, but you've also gotten a lot of offers. Yeah. It's like, so just to kind of bring this home, your last point, I think you said that so well, if, if anyone's listening to this, like, honestly, I would say rewind uh, the last minute or so and listen to that all again. It's worth it. Use your learning head. Use your learning head. <laughs> Big brain. Growth mindset. So, yeah, like the way that, you know, I went through this whole process was uh, I had that big failure and I felt like, I, or not even a failure, sorry, that's the wrong word, but I felt like it was a big failure mm -hmm. getting that rejection from that first big company. I reflected on it. I went home and kind of like looked through my portfolio, talked to a few designers that I really admire, kind of walked through it with them immediately got another uh, on-site mm -hmm. offer, came out, got that job. And since then, I've been talking to many, many companies. I've gone through actually many interview loops. And I've learned a lot about myself and the interview process and companies yep. as I've gone through every single one. Yep. And, and here's a little takeaway. Like this, especially early in your career, builds up such a resilience and it brings, it gives you tenacity if you can get through this. And sort of spoiler, like you end up having so many failures in your career, not to say you're going to get in and it's going to be all like doom and gloom, but the way that you sort of deal with rejection and deal with failure now, I feel like this is like a, a life lesson will help you deal with the things that 
you deal with further on in your career and like there are things like your product doesn't get shipped or it fails out there in the market or you actually have to get put on a performance improvement plan because you're not meeting the expectations of the level they put you at. Like there's so much that comes up in your career that you have to say, hey, this is actually something I can learn from. And if you're learning that and if you're like actually like consciously saying like, I'm going to take this rejection here and now as a learning moment and learn how to be resilient, learn how to pick myself back up and go at it again. Like that is something that will serve you tenfold later in your career. And I think we'll end on that. Okay. That was fun. Until next time. Okay. Bye.